0: Catholic Drive Time keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day
0: with the latest in-breaking
1: news and information from the
0: Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
2: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time.
1: Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and good morning to you. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. It's the feast of Saint Catherine of Siena. She was a remarkable figure in the history of the Catholic Church, a lay woman who became one of the greatest saints of the 14th century. She was born in Siena, Italy in 1347, and from a young age experienced a mystical revelations that continued throughout her life. Catherine resisted her parents' attempts to marry her off at the age of 16, she became a third-order Dominican under the guidance of her confessor and biographer, Blessed Raymond of Capua. At a time when the church was experiencing a great turmoil and decadence, Capitan played an important role in promoting reform and reunification. She urged Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome from Avignon and later supported him in the face of the schism that erupted under Urban VI. Catherine also played a mediator role in disputes between the church and the city of Florence. Catherine's influence on the papacy was significant and her reputation as a mystic and spiritual guide attracted a devoted following. She was known for her intelligence, eloquence and generosity, often giving flowers and crosses as gifts to her friends. She also enthusiastically promoted indulgences which helped to ease the penalties of sins. Catherine died on April 29th, 1380, and was canonized in 1461. In 1939, she was declared patron saint of Italy. Her life and work continue to inspire devotion and admiration as an example of the power of faith and the potential for individual action to make a positive impact on the world. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. I hope you're having a blessed Monday morning, and I hope that your weekend was a blast. It was a long weekend. Praise be to God. I hope it was a good one, and I hope that uh, everything is going back to normal. It was awesome. Hmm, Normal. Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing, maybe? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now we have a very interesting show of Catholic drive time today. Coming up this hour is Robert Riley. We're going to have him on to talk about his book, making gay. Okay. And I'm particularly excited about this interview because Robert Riley in his book gives a masterclass in understanding natural law and the basics of philosophy. That's a really easy way to understand So if you ever got in arguments with somebody about gay marriage and things like that and couldn't figure out the best way to argue this without invoking religious ideas... Well, this book is the master class on that. So we're going to talk about all of that today. So we're going to get into the weeds on philosophy, theology, how it connects to the LGBT issues. You won't want to miss not one second of this interview. In the next hour, we have a super secret special guest. That's a lot of S's in that sentence. Super secret special guest on. So you won't want to miss that as well. Some uh, crazy news to announce coming up in the second hour, so at the 7 o'clock hour Central Time. You're going to want to tune in because we have some amazing news to announce. I'm very excited to do that. That's going to be shared with you today. And don't miss not one moment of the show because of course we have our game show with all new prizes to give away today. I believe last week our prize uh, sponsor was Catholic Answers, and I think this week it is also Catholic Answers, but I'll let Tito will tell you that later in the show. Uh, But let's jump into it. We'll begin with prayer, as is our custom. Now, today is the beginning of May, and May is dedicated to the month of Our Lady. Uh, There's a couple months dedicated to Our Lady. May is one of them. You know, we think of the, the Feast of Mother's Day, or I guess it's not a feast day, but you think of Mother's Day, and you think of Our Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, I haven't picked what prayer I want to say. We could go back to the Memorare for the month of May. I am going to try out the Subtuum today. The Subtuum is super short, though, so I don't know. I want to pick something that's at least 30 seconds long. I'm toying with the idea of maybe we can pray the Subtuum in Latin and then in English. So we prayed them both. That might be a cool idea uh, because it is the Subtuum. I'm going to go on a tangent over here. So the Subtuum is the oldest Marian prayer that exists in the world. It was found as early as the 3rd century in Greek and then was translated to Latin and was sung. It's such a beautiful win. I don't even know how to say it in Latin. I only know how to sing it in Latin. So I'm going to do like a, a mock of uh, the sung and and said at the same time. So we're going to pray that prayer. We're praying for whatever it is that we have, uh, whatever intentions that you have on your heart, for our friends, our family, our benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for, all these intentions, we will be praying for with you. So let's begin in our prayer, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen subtuum presidiumcun fugi humus sancta de getrix, nostrastras deprecations nedisas seitati hibus, serapericulis cujunis, libera no se hemper, Virgo glorioso et benedicta. and then in English. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. And now, your headline news with Tito Edwards.
3: Good morning. Thank you, Adrian. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Monday, May 1st, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting badpipes, symbols, and Marian hymns. Catholics make reparation outside of SatanCon in Boston. More than 100 Catholics came across the nation Friday to pray for the reparation outside of the Marriott Copley Place in Boston in response to the Satanic Temple's annual conference being held there this weekend. Satan Khan, as the Satanic Temple calls the event, was sold out and was held this past weekend. Vatican News' is reporting Cardinal Erdo said of Pope Francis is that he came to Hungary with great love. In an interview with Vatican News in Budapest at the conclusion of Pope Francis's 41st apostolic journey abroad, the Primate of Hungary said the people felt The Holy Father's warmth and responded to it and that the Holy Father amid these troubling times truly came as a pilgrim of peace and a man of faith. The visit of Pope Francis was a special joy for the Hungarian Catholic community in particular, but I believe also for the whole nation, said Cardinal Erdo. Catholic Culture is reporting in Budapest. (coughs) CatholicCulture.org is reporting Pope Francis in Budapest denounces gender theory and abortion Calls for pro-family Policies Pope Francis' words Came amid escalating EU actions Against Hungary over homosexuality And transgenderism The Hungarian constitution recognizes Marriage as The union of a man and a woman And the Hungarian government has taken steps to protect children from transgender ideology. Oddly, Vatican News, in its coverage of Pope's address, did not report on the Pope's comments on abortion and gender ideology, though the Associated Press and some other news agencies did. The Daily Wire is reporting all nine Supreme Court justices issue a rare statement after leftist attacks on conservative bishops. These were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. And now we'll take it back to Adrian. Have a great morning,
1: everyone. And the gospel of the day comes from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Whereas the hireling who is no shepherd and does not claim the sheep as his own abandons the sheep and takes to flight as soon as he sees the wolf coming. And so the wolf harries the sheep and scatters them. The hireling then takes to flight because he is only a hireling because he has no concern over the sheep. I am the good shepherd. My sheep are known to me and know me, just as I am known to my father and know him. And for the sheep, I am laying down my life. I have other sheep, too, which do not belong to this fold. I must bring them in, too, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one fold and one shepherd. This is my father, loves in me. This my father loves in me, and I am laying down my life to take it up again afterwards. Nobody can rob me of it. I lay it down of my own accord. I am free to lay it down, free to take it up again. That is the charge which my father has given me the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius Alapide, as always, had a ton to say. In fact, he had a more than usual to say about this passage, and I believe he had about 30 minutes worth of commentary on this. So I shrunk it down to only commenting about verse 12, and it's still about five minutes long, so we're not going to get through all of it. But I certainly recommend looking up Cornelius Alapide's great commentary on the gospels and finding this and reading it in its entirety. So he says here on verse 12, but he that is an hireling an hireling seeks not the good of the sheep, but merely his own profit. Hirelings are they says St. Augustine who seek their own things and not the things of Christ and of the sheep. So to St. Basil, but the apostles though, they fed not their own sheep, but the sheep of Christ were not hirelings because they sought not their own temporal gain, but the spiritual and eternal gain of the faithful. He is called a hireling and not a shepherd, says St. Gregory, who feeds the Lord's sheep not from the deepest love, but from worldly gain. The hireling is he who holds the post of a shepherd, but seeks not to gain souls, is eager for earthly advantages, rejoices in the honor of the prelacy, feeds on temporal gains, delights in the reverence paid to him by men. See it, the wolf coming for in a time of tranquility, says St. Gregory. Very often the hireling, as well as the true shepherd, stands on guard over the flock. But the approach of the wolf shows the temper of mind with which they did so. The wolf attacks the sheep with violence and the spoiler oppresses those who are faithful and humble. But he who seemed to be a shepherd and was not, leaves the sheep and run away because though through fear for himself he does not venture to withstand his injustice now a couple of things to point out before we go on any further one thing is that a lot of people will talk a big game and that's basically what cornelius lapide is saying here he's saying look some people say look i'm a shepherd i talk a big game i say true things i say good things but when push comes to shove and the wolves show up at the door. What do you do? Are you a shepherd or are you a hireling? And Cornelius lapide goes on. And the wolf catcheth them, a heretic or any wicked man who strives to pervert the faithful by word or example. The devil who seizes them when he draws away this man to luxury inflames another with avarice, puffs up another with pride, parts asunder others through anger, stimulates another with envy, supplements another by deceit. Now, he goes on and lists many other ways in which the devil can deceive you. Now, this is a very important point, and hence Christ leaves it to be gathered by contrast that the good shepherd, when he sees the wolf coming, neither flies nor forsakes his sheep, but stands firm and fights for them, even to death, and in this way lays down his life for them. But when it is allowable for a pastor to fly from persecuted... When persecuted and when not, see St Matthew chapter ten verse twenty three. Also St Augustine, I use on this matter the words of St Gregory the more freely because he had fully experience of those things in his own person. Now what is he saying here? He's saying, look, there is a legitimate circumstance in which you could re- genuinely flee and not be doing something wrong, but when your sheep are in danger. And you have ability to save them. If you truly love your sheep and you reject worldly gain, you will reject honor and you will put your life on the line to protect your sheep. You will stand firm in the face of the wolves. You will think to yourself, pray for me. You will tell your sheep, pray for me that I do not flee from the wolves. And when the wolves come, you stand firm and you resist those who come against your sheep. Now, this could apply, of course, to our priests, to our bishops, but it also applies to fathers, to mothers, and to you and I, and to all laity who have to stand firm and hold fast to the truth of the gospel, no matter where it takes us. And that's going to do it when we come back. Robert Riley on Making Gay Okay. You're not going to want to miss this interview. We'll be right back right here on Catholic Drive Time right after this short break.
4: Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A
3: crucifix.
4: And who said preach Christ and Him crucified? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network.
0: Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to the American court system, can a jury of 12 citizens who are of varying moral beliefs, backgrounds, and persuasions objectively deem a person not guilty who actually committed the crime? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, church law. In the same manner, the apostolic college, who are the unique inheritors of the Catholic church authority, were also granted that same power. Secondly, certain limitations. The court of 12, called a jury, can only grant acquittal or guilt the College proceeding from the 12 apostles can declare a third position, that being innocence, different from acquittal. And thirdly, a tough comeback. The jury of 12 wields frightening power that changes lives. The church also wields magnificent power that changes guilt into forgiveness and pardon. Is your Bible church obedient to James chapter 5, which says, Call for the elders of the church, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you ask your pastor to provide weekly opportunities to confess sins, will he?
1: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And it is good to be on with you today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. You know, the other day I was hanging out with some of my friends. And we got into a discussion about moral relativism. And I was surprised because my my friends tend to be more on the conservative side, very typically uh, traditional Catholics, and we were getting into this discussion, and someone just kind of revealed themselves to be more libertarian and their positions. We were discussing uh, same-sex marriage, and he goes, well, you know, I personally, I think it's wrong, and nobody could convince me otherwise. I think it's bad. People shouldn't do it. But I don't really understand how same-sex marriage can affect me I don't really see how it's so harmful. I don't know why we can't just leave these people alone. And I was kind of shocked by that. We kind of got into a back and forth about natural law, and it was not getting through. And then recently, there was this podcast with Joe Rogan and Matt Walsh. And Matt Walsh is excellent when it comes to the transgender issue, when it comes to talking about what is a woman he does an excellent job, but then Joe Rogan kind of pivoted on him and started talking about gay marriage and kind of caught him on his back foot, and he was struggling to try to articulate why gay marriage is not good from uh, without using, without invoking Christianity. And joining us right now is Robert Riley. He wrote this book called Making Gay Okay. It was actually published back in 2014, and it is excellent. And the reason why I bring these things up is because He doesn't quote the Bible at all during this book. In fact, this is a completely natural law argument against gay marriage. And I thought it was excellently done. And I wish this book would be put in the hands of every conservative commentator, because most of these people have a intuition that gay marriage is not good. But they fail to be able to articulate why that is without invoking religion. Uh, But Mr. Robert Riley, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Praise be to God. Uh, my first question. I want to kind of start with the end and then work back to the beginning. This book was written in 2014. Uh, can you imagine back in 2014 where we are today? Uh, looking back on writing this book, what are your thoughts? Yes. Yes, you nailed it. You you knew exactly. I, I, I where think going. that
5: the progression was inescapable once you accept the fundamental. Uh, Premises of the homosexual movement, the rest uh, comes along with it as a package. You know, I recently wrote a review about a book that is critical of critical race theory. And in that book, it contained a number of quotations from the chief academic theorists of critical race theory. And one of them said that um, you can't be anti-racist without being anti-homophobic. And anti-transphobic. You see, it's it's a it's a package. They all come together, and and when one examines the principles underlying the homosexual movement, you can you can see why that's true. <clears throat> you know, just just a, a quick gloss on that. A critical race theory is actually racist fundamentally. It's a race theory of history and so-called homophobia is simply the support for the natural law position on what marriage is and transphobia is just simply um an understanding that it's not man who makes himself to be man that he comes with the nature and to surgically disfigure or chemically castrate someone uh, is against nature and is a profoundly wrong act anyway no, that's jumping yeah. way ahead, but it's uh it it in the last chapter of the book, <clears throat> in the in the new edition, uh, that came out after the Obergefell decision, I wrote a new chapter and afterward, <clears throat> analyzing Obergefell, and predicting uh, that things were going to get a lot worse as they have, as now we've reached a state of unreality that uh, would be incomprehensible to anyone even 50 years ago.
1: You're 100% correct. And I would even say uncomprehensible uh, to people who lived five years ago, 10 years ago. And the reason I say that is because in 2014, I was actually in high school. And so I had no idea of any of this. I went to a Catholic high school, and we uh, I, I remember... Whenever I, w- I was a sophomore in high school in 2014, and me and my friends, we would kind of make transgender jokes because that was something that was brand new in the lexicon, the common lexicon. It may have been around before that, uh, long before that, but it became starting to reach popular culture around that time period. And I remember sitting around at the lunch table and we were making jokes about, oh, there's a man trapped in a woman's body. And we were making jokes about it. And those same friends I had back then are now defenders of transgender ideology and some of them are completely bought in and i even have some people who i knew from then that weren't my friends that have become transgender and it was it been completely incomprehensible to us back in high school how does that how did we get how does that make any sense well i think
5: that uh, the great cardinal robert Serra speaks to the gravity of the current situation when he said quote what Nazi fascism and communism were in the 20th century, Western homosexual and abortion ideologies are today. Unquote. Um, yes, this, this is as all encompassing an ideology as were those two ideologies in the 20th century, both of which were based upon profound lies about what a human being is and so too is the LGBTQ plus uh, ideology based upon a profound lie as to what a human being is. And um, because these have been propagandized, accepted, legislated upon, uh, pronounced by the judiciary, we're now in the enforcement phase of this profound lie. And it's permeating every aspect, aspect of our society I often often make the comparison to 1935 in Nazi Germany, when they passed the Nuremberg Laws, uh, which was the beginning of the end for the Jews. It forbade Jews to marry non-Jews. It stripped them of their German citizenship, uh, etc. Now, uh, anyone who thinks that we are living in an era of unreality that is any less than what obtained in Nazi Germany in 1935, they're kidding themselves. That, that is where we are in an analogous way. Uh, we, we still have the means of resistance. Uh, those who do resist often pay for it uh, socially and professionally uh, because it will be enforced not simply by the government, uh, but by society. Uh, because our society also has imbibed and to a large extent is based upon these lies. Now, the erosion took place over, you can't say, a relatively long time. In terms of social revolutions, it was actually fairly short. Uh, But I recall the sexual revolution, particularly in the late 60s and the 70s, uh, and the early Supreme Court decisions, like Eisenstadt versus Baird, which uh, separated sex from diapers, and then of course Roe v. Wade, uh, which uh, allowed abortion should your your um, birth control not work, uh, etc. We we could go through the chain of of Supreme Court disastrous Supreme Court decisions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I thought and,
5: that was yeah. yeah I just want to quickly say that that is fundamentally at the basis of this social revolution: the separation of sex from diapers, the denial that it is either procreative or unitive.
1: No, and, I, I agree. The completely. development of
5: homosexual marriage was was absolutely just a natural evolution from that denial.
1: Absolutely, it makes a hundred percent sense. You you once you. Destroy you know, the primary end of marriage; everything else follows. And on the we're we have about two minutes before we have to go to a break. And before that, I wanted to read this quote. I've been reading "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self" by Carl Truman. And in the foreword, the uh, he quotes uh, Schleinitzen, saying, "Today's world has reached a state which, if it had been described to preceding centuries, would have called forth the cry." this is the apocalypse yet we have grown used to this kind of world we even feel at home in it and i was i circled it like a dozen times because isn't that the world we live in mr riley
5: yeah it very much is and of course solzhenitsyn was a great diagnostician of this um i'm i'm working on a book now called the ideology of sorry the lexicon of unreality how corrupting language is destroying society And it ends with another quote from Solzhenitsyn saying, let a lie enter society, let it have its destructive effects, only not from me. I will not participate in this lie. It is obligatory not to. And that's basically the stage at which we are now. We have to assume that moral obligation not to participate in the lie, which is being enforced upon us. And you saw how effective amongst your own friends and associates, uh, how powerful these social and governmental forces are when over a short period of time, all of a sudden, they're on the transgender bandwagon.
1: Yeah, it always kind of flabbergasted me. I mean, you look at these politicians who are in their 80s and 70s, and they grew up 90% of their life never believing in or never even hearing of this transgender ideology, better yet... We talk about the homosexual ideology, but even worse, the, the transgender ideology, and they act as if they've always believed this. They've always believed that men can give birth and these kind of crazy ideas. On the other side of the break, I want to start back from the beginning and talk about the natural law. This, I think this topic has been severely, severely hindered. People think that we have to make arguments from Holy Scripture, and I'm all for quoting the saints. I'm all for— quoting the Bible. I love it. Praise be to God. But at the same time, just like St. Thomas talks about, we should use what our enemies agree with 1st That start there and move forward. And many people feel, you know, I'm not smart enough to understand natural law. I'm not under- smart enough to understand philosophy. But I believe that's not true. I believe every single person listening to this can, in fact, understand natural law. They can see what is going on. And if we already, it's in us Because we know it. We know it intuitively, which is why so many people can look at the state of society and respond accordingly and know, okay, that's wrong. I may not be able to articulate why it is, but I have a Catholic sense that it is, in fact, wrong. And what studying natural law, what kind of understanding what is natural law will help you to do is to be able to articulate that internal feeling that that, that just tugs on your soul, that makes you think, I don't know why homosexuality is wrong, but I do know that it is wrong. And in studying natural law, you'll be able to better defend your position. you better be, be better to defend the teachings of the church. Whenever your family comes over and they're bringing up these topics and you mention Holy Scripture, like, ah, who cares about that? Nobody believes in that anymore anyways but you can actually make this argument without quoting scripture. See how it works for you, and I'll show you how with Mr. Hello, Robert this is Lisa with your you. for of Catholic
0: break. evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend: According to First Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and/or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, "He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him." Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no. No commentary needed there. Secondly, you're going to walk. The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass. That's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality.
4: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
1: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And, praise to God, it's good to be here with you today. Joining us right now is Mr. Robert Riley with Making Gay Okay. How rationalizing homosexual behavior is changing everything. On the other side of the break, we were talking about how natural law is so necessary to defend the truths of the faith without bringing in into the scripture because many people won't listen to you when you bring up the scriptures, And I'm immediately reminded of a book that uh, Dr. Edward Fazer wrote called Aristotle's Revenge, where he talks about causality and how when we forget that, we destroy everything. We destroy all of science. We destroy everything. And so this is kind of tying in the same idea, and I love just that title, Aristotle's Revenge. And in your book, Mr. Riley, you have a chapter here on Aristotle. The title is "Order in the Universe." Aristotle's laws of nature. All right, let's start there, Mr. Riley. Tell me about first what is natural law and why is it important?
5: Natural law is um, the rule of nature and reason. It's what makes a thing what it is and why it can't be something else. An oak tree can't be a ghost. A human being can't be a rock. Um, and. Furthermore, in, in coming to an understanding of what something is that is grasping, it, grasped its nature tells us what the end of it is, that is, what it's in Greek, the talos is. Uh, and Aristotle shows this in various ways. He could tell you that, uh, say, an acorn has the nature of an oak tree and that uh, it has the potential to be fully developed. Oak tree, which then in its turn produces acorns, and no law, nowhere along the trajectory of the growth from acorn to fully mature oak tree, will it turn into something other than it is. And we also know what's good for the oak tree uh, because of the because of its ends. So the brightly the balanced soil is good, moisture is good, drought is bad. Uh, too acidic a soil is bad. So these, these are all understood in terms of that nature. Now, when it comes to human beings, it's, uh, it's more complicated because human beings are the only ones in creation who can act in consonance with their nature or against it. So what is that human being for? What is, what is a human being's end? And Aristotle says it's happiness. How does one reach happiness through virtue? through the the habitual performance of good acts. What are good acts? Our reason tells us those are the acts in conformity with our nature, which develop our potential to becoming uh, fully human beings, to make us more of what we are, more human. The development of our reason, of our critical faculties, of our bodies, with the proper nutrition, most of all, with the proper education. Now, what's... What's more so, uh, Aristotle turns his examination of nature to uh, a consideration of the political order in his book, The Politics. How does the politics begin? With a single individual? No, it begins with a man and a woman married. That is the foundation stone of all political order, marriage. Why? Because a man and a woman uh, then have progeny uh, and those families associate with each other uh, to the point where they become a larger political order, a village, and then uh, conglomerations of villages become cities, which uh, allow uh, human beings an even greater scope in developing their human nature. So, Aristotle takes a look at what is essential to a good political life insofar as it contributes to the good life, that is, the good life aimed at happiness. And insofar as marriage is concerned, that foundation stone with which the politics begins, he says the virtue of uh, the political order is chastity. Because chastity is the foundational virtue of marriage the fidelity of spouses to each other and he has a particularly uh let us say condemnatory attitude toward acts of unchastity on the part of the husband particularly when the wife is pregnant mm. that that adultery at that time is a, is a most grievous act uh again, against the order of nature, and it is doing what is unreasonable. It's being ruled by your passions rather than your reason. And of course, it's against the fidelity that is owed to one's wife. And Aristotle makes clear, this is what shakes the political order. This is not just some local little uh, indiscretion on the part of a husband, It it is, it attacks the foundation of the political order. So many people today would be amazed if you told them that uh, chastity is the political virtue. But he makes that clear. And also you see within that conception uh, how human beings' sexual powers are to be considered. Just again, an understanding reached through our reason and apprehending our natures and those Uh, sexual powers are procreative and unitive. So in a marriage, when is a man most fully a man? That is, when has he reached the full potential of those sexual powers in act? And that is a man as a husband and a father. That is the perfection of a man in marriage. And for a woman, it's a woman in marriage and as a mother. That reaches the full perfection of her sexual powers. Now, anything less than this would be considered an imperfection. In fact, Aristotle will even call it a corruption Um, in the same way in which, by the way, he would regard blindness as a corruption of the eye. The purpose of the eye is to see. If it can't see, it's still an eye, but it's, it's an imperfect eye. It's a corrupt eye. Uh, if you will go to an eye doctor and he told you, well, I don't know what your eye is for. You, you find another eye doctor who did know what an eye is for. The eye is for seeing. And that understanding and further examination may give him uh, the ability to take that cataract out of your eye and restore your sight to its potential now we can go through all the senses in in the human body and see that that is true of them they all have a pur- purpose they all serve an end this is none that once you get below the waist this doesn't disappear your sexual powers have ends that are every bit as clear to human reason as are the ends which our senses serve so to use our sexual powers outside of those unitive and generative purposes that are inherent in it is to act corruptly. That is to act against the nature or the purpose for which the power exists. So that's obviously a corruption of those sexual powers, a misuse of them. And in man's case, of course, a a profound immorality for Aristotle as for Thomas Aquinas later. What is sin? It's acting unreasonably. What is immorality? It's an act against reason. Why? Because man is ruled by reason. His reason is associated with the logos, the divine principle behind which all things exist which is reason itself. So, I mean, that's a real fast thumbnail sketch. of the oh, That was
1: excellent. That was excellent. It was a very a crash course in it. And I highly recommend if people are able, please check out this book, um, Mr. Robert Riley, Making Gay Okay, How Rationalizing Homosexual Behavior is Changing Everything. And the reason why I'm recommending it so highly is because it really is a crash course on natural law. You can study natural law formally, you can get a textbook on natural law, and it's a little difficult, but whenever you see it applied in a very particular case study, like homosexuality, it makes so much more sense. So I highly recommend checking this out. I also want to talk about, we are going to go into a break in just a moment, and when we come back, there are two things that I want to talk about. One is the question of the the Greeks and sodomy, because there's the the common thing that will be brought up when you start talking about the ancient Greeks is they'll say, well, wasn't it okay in the ancient Greece that they they had homosexuality, that sodomy was okay, it was promoted back then, it it was normalized, and that kind of mythology is present when they start talking about the Greeks, and I was very impressed because I actually had never seen a treatise on that topic, and Mr. Riley touches on that in this book, and I want to talk about the military. I think it's very, very important uh, having moral courage and standing up for what's right. I was thinking of Mr. Cur- Colonel uh, Ripley, Colonel John Ripley, where he stood up against this, uh, these ideas of sodomites in the military. And so we're going to touch on that topic as well. And then finally, uh, to conclude our interview on the other side of the break, I want to also touch on where does Mr. Riley see things going after this? We have transgenderism now. What's left? <laughs> How much more debate de can we go? So all of those topics and much more with Mr. Robert Riley on the other side of this short break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible, or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh.
4: Hey, Donnie, what does the Catechism say that the purpose of life is? To
3: well, no love
6: and serve of God to be happy
4: in the next. That's right, so we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children, and if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
1: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and thank you for joining us today. God bless you. It's a beautiful morning. Give God some praise today. Say thank you, Lord, for granting me another day to do your will and then do his will today. But joining us right now is Mr. Robert Riley. He's the author of Making Gay Okay, How Rationalizing Homosexual Behavior is Changing Everything. And have you ever heard this before? You may have. We are talking about the homosexual issue, and they'll bring up, well, other cultures all over the place since all of time have had sodomitical behavior. And so just like the Greeks, it was commonplace in a a flourishing republic. They had sodomy. And I always was like, mm, I don't know. Is that true? Is that not true? And uh, Mr. Riley's book was actually the first place I've ever seen someone actually address that topic. Uh, Mr. Riley, what say you?
5: Well, there's a big un- misunderstanding. I mean, it's very ironic that people try to use uh, ancient classical Greece as some kind of uh, paradise for homosexuals, to which, of course, we need to return. Uh, have a big misunderstanding of of the practice, insofar as it existed, and what makes it particularly ironic that it—that ancient Greece was the birthplace of philosophy, and that philosophy, as it was practiced through uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, is what condemned sodomy. It's what gave human beings the understanding of what a grave moral disorder. Sodomy represented. Uh, so th- I mean that that does make it quite ironic. Um, now there, the other thing just to make uh, a point uh, of historical accuracy, <clears throat> homosexual. First of all, there was no such word as homosexual or homosexuality in ancient Greece. <clears throat> uh, there was only one strata in the uh, ancient Greek class society in which there was a mentor relationship between older men and younger boys, which sometimes involved homosexual acts. Uh, But that was the only place in which it was practiced. And uh, it, by the way, was something out of which the young boy was expected to grow when that mentorship ended he was expected to get married and have children there was since there was no word for homosexuality no one could so identify them as a homosexual or pretend that that's the way they were made and therefore that's the way they should live now some single males who didn't marry and who who Practiced sodomy were, uh, they were, they were derided in ancient Greek so- society. They became objects of derision and of comedy. Uh, they were made great fun of uh, as, a, as a human being behaving in, in the lowest way, which is that is in possession of uh, his passions. His passions ruled him, not his reason. I'm just going to give you a little taste of this. I don't know how much time we have.
1: Go ahead. You have a little bit of time.
5: Okay. I would like to see, this is in Plato's last book, The Laws. He has the Athenian say this, quote, I think that the pleasure is to be deemed natural, which arises out of the intercourse between men and women, but that the intercourse of men and women oh no sorry but uh, but that the intercourse of men with men or of women with women is contrary to nature and that the bold attempt was originally due to unbridled lust unquote
1: yeah that, i think that's Indeed. incredibly clear incredibly so, clear
5: and in socrates Absolutely loathed sodomy.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, we see this and people will try to and it's a it's a tactic of the of the homosexual movement to try to attribute sodomatic acts to people in the past because they can't defend themselves. And so people say Plato was a sodomite. Uh, They'll say that many historical figures were sodomites uh, without any needing any proof because nobody will be able to fact check them because they can't ask them because they're dead. I want to shift a little bit and talk about the military. Colonel John Ripley is an amazing Marine who many people have never even heard of him. I came across him because of the book, The American Knight, and he did amazing things in combat, amazing things in Vietnam. But what is more impressive to me was his moral courage. His moral courage to stand up against sodomy and against having uh, women in combat, though it was incredibly courageous of him because, and he even says as much, that he had friends who agreed 100% with him. But these same men who could go into battle with bullets whizzing past him were unable to stand against his peers because they lacked moral courage. And he gave a testimony Uh, against having sodomites in the military. And he says, quote, a young Marine in front of me one hot day, virtually disappeared, was atomized by an artillery blast that blew him into tiny fragments. And as I looked around, the 30 odd Marines around me were all covered with parts of him, his blood, his flesh, his bones. He was completely on all of us. Had he been AIDS infected? we in turn would have all become infected as well. Over 30 Marines would have become casualties and possibly lost our lives because of this gross irresponsibility that you would now impose on us. This will not hold. Decent Americans are telling you this, and I beg you that you listen. Don't change the military, which has served you so well. You and the American people made in the image that you made us and which which has fought and won our nation's wars for over 200 years. By making this change, you will not change us. You will de facto destroy us. I can tell you as a Marine, you will virtually destroy the Marine Corps by imposing on us this division of values which we hold dear, which we have fought for, and which we know to be proper. You are attacking our personal integrity. You are attacking our honor, and no military organization can exist without honor and personal integrity. You are asking us to look the other way, ignoring a practice we feel deviate destructive and in conflict with the American and God-fearing values. We cannot do this." I thought that was excellent from Colonel Ripley. Uh, what are your thoughts about that and in the military in general on this topic? I didn't want to write this book.
5: It was a very unpleasant task, I can tell you. The reason I wrote it though, as uh, I was being urged to do so by Father Fessio, the head of Ignatius Press, uh, what what tipped me over into doing it was the uh, celebration by Secretary Panetta, Secretary of Defense, of Gay Pride Day in the Pentagon. He, by video, I was watching uh, by video from home. I'm, I myself am a veteran. I served in the armored cavalry. I worked as a civilian with our military for years. And when I saw Panetta with his goofy smile celebrating our great homosexual and lesbian members of the military forces and the great contributions they have made, I was infuriated. I also wondered, you could imagine as an Irishman, why there isn't an alcoholic pride day. Mm. Why is this a privileged vice uh, that we are supposed to celebrate? Well, there's another part of my life uh, I can tell you about, aside from having served in the military, I was a professional actor in New York, and that is a, a part of life that has a large homosexual presence. I, w- I was in plays where the majority of the cast was homosexual, the director was homosexual, everyone in the costume shop was homosexual, which was true across the theater, So I saw what happened uh, as a heterosexual when I was in the minority. I left one regional theater in Baltimore, center stage, and the director of publicity, public relations there was a really lovely Catholic woman. And she said, Bob, you're a good actor. It's too bad you're not a homosexual because you would have gotten better parts. The artistic director was a homosexual, etc. cetera. So I saw how that worked. I pursued uh, a professional career because I thought, okay, those are the rules of the road, but I'm good enough to, to get by them. Anyway, I, after several years, I decided on a, on a different vocation. Now, so I can, uh, all, all of the people uh, like Admiral Mullen, uh, who was making his goofy, politically correct statements in front of Congress about uh, uh, how wonderful this is in the military, how wonderful, you know, homosexual colleagues he had, it's time to uh, let them come out in the open. <clears throat> well, I thought once you do this, you are going to instill in uh, the military Uh, another chain of command. You'll have two chains of command. That is the military chain of command to your superior officers and so forth. And then you'll have uh, a command structure based upon sexual favors and the favoritism that uh, naturally exists uh, in, in the homosexual community as I experienced in the theater now this is a subversion of good order and was it was thought to be by George Washington it's why Sodomy was against the code of military justice for almost the entire existence of the United States military and that was first changed by Clinton to don't ask don't tell which was a compromise which uh you know might have might have worked but it was only a stepping stone to of course Uh, get to, oh, no, do tell, do tell, we we shall enshrine this, as did Secretary Panetta. It's just a wonderful thing. Well, it's not a wonderful thing. And what you read from that courageous Marine is just, you know, one one thing that can, can arise as a problem. It's prejudicial to good order. It should never have been allowed. And as I tell you, it's what, upset me to the extent that I undertook the effort to write this book. So I I discuss sodomy in the military, but as you know, I go through every institution of American life and see how uh, the ideology of uh, homosexuality has penetrated there, and education and so forth.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That will have to do it. And that's a great place to stop. That'll conclude an interview with mr robert riley thank you mr riley for your service in the military but honestly and more almost more importantly thank you for your service in defending marriage and the family god bless you god love you mr riley thank you and that's gonna do it for today's show god bless you god love you and unless you can stay with us which we'll see on the other side of this short break
0: we all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question: Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline, or the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions. The Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places, such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Catholic Radio played a huge part in my life in helping me understand the faith. It was like one of the biggest
6: things, and I still listen all the time. I have the bumper sticker on my Viola case. People see it and, oh, Catholic Radio. It's the best thing ever. It changed my life. Catholic Radio is amazing. Please support Catholic Radio. It's just an amazing resource. So much you can learn there, so much inspiration to actually live out your faith. It's just incredible. I love Catholic Radio.
1: The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
5: I'm Deacon Joe. I'm Thomas White, and Deacon Joe and I represent the Catholic Radio Quest. And we thank you for listening to KSHJ 1430 AM Catholic Radio throughout Metro Houston on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
6: Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, back by popular demand for just one day only. You're tuning into our show just now. Today is Monday, the 1st of May, and it's the 1st of the month, so do make sure to send out your rent checks. And uh, did you know that May is the month dedicated to our Blessed Mother? In a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to join me in prayer for the month of Mary, taken from my favorite resource, the uh, amazing My Prayer Book by Father LaSance. Uh, it's still available, by the way. You can search for that. It's called My Prayer Book by Father LaSance. Father LaSant spelled L-A-S-A-N-C-E. I'll also give you a few ideas of how you can honor Mary, our Blessed Mother, in the month of May. But good morning, dear listener, wherever you're listening to us, either on your local Guadalupe Radio Network station or online at grnonline.com. Maybe you're even listening to us on the GRN app. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's good to be back with you today. And uh, how did you like that interview with uh, Mos- uh, <laughs> Mr. Robert Riley last hour? I'd love to get your comments about it at 30 past the hour when we go off air and go into our after show where we let our hair down and talk about what you want to discuss. So make sure to follow us on your favorite streaming platform and join us for that, uh, be it uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Odyssey, Rumble. We stream to all kinds of different places, uh, but do make sure to leave a comment because the conversation is driven by you, dear listener. I'll also fill you in on what I've been up to and uh, how much sleep I'm getting. And so on and so forth. <laughs> Good morning to you, Tito.
3: Good morning, uh, Rudy. So glad to see you back. I know it's only for one day only, but still, it's a pleasure to see you. And likewise, uh, likewise. yes, I I've, I understand. I do not have children, but I've heard so many stories where where
6: you have to kiss your sleep goodbye. <laughs> so God bless yeah. you. Some days are better than others. I got to tell you, you know, I'll just give you a little a little tidbit here. Um, my my baby bridget who's our recent newborn yeah she's a much better sleeper than our firstborn maria <laughs> oh, God <laughs> is blessing you, that. you yeah she's she's uh, different she's uh, she's got her own different challenges you know so it's amazing to uh, be able to to figure those out as we go along at 15 past the hour we're going to play our game show fear and trembling our catholic trivia game show where prizes are at stake If you want to call and wait on the line, we welcome you to do that. Go ahead and find the number on our website at grnonline.com. And uh, Tito, you think maybe you could give us a tease of what the prize is this week? Oh, absolutely, Rudy.
3: Thank you for asking. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a Catholic Answers book. Oh, wow. By Dave Armstrong on the popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. Oh, that's good. Yes, the, the the book is called Word Set in Stone. It's available now through shop.catholic.com or at a
6: Catholic bookstore near you. Do you think that uh, that's a good resource for people who have uh, maybe some friends who are maybe Bible-only and uh, haven't really accepted the fullness of truth and and joined the Catholic Church?
3: I I believe so. Yeah, the Catholic Answers, they're one one of the pioneers of the lay-led movement of Mm. the late 20th century. And they have excellent resources on there, especially the Bible. Uh, uh, Jimmy Aiken even has a podcast that talks nice. that touches on the Bible. So yes, uh, I, I would recommend it to anyone who uh, who is trying to help their Protestant friends uh, see what the Catholic faith is all about.
6: Yeah, I'm in that. Uh, I'm in that boat currently. You know, here in Texas, uh, it's a lot different than California. You know, in California, there's a lot more secularists. Here in Texas, I, I find that I'm running into a lot of people who. Uh, uh, our Bible alone, people, and uh, so it's a, a a different challenge, you know, when you, when it comes to sharing the faith with these uh, with these friends. So, if you want to win that prize, you're going to get a lot of chances today. You get three chances every time you call. Uh, make sure to, to find our our phone number on our website if you want to be the first caller to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. Again, that's at 15 past the hour. But uh, I did mention this is the month of Mary, and I love our Blessed Mother. I am, uh, I'm a mother's, a mother's boy and, uh, a mama's boy. And so I want to invite you, dear listener, to join us in prayer for this month of Mary. Again, this is taken from my prayer book by Father LaSant, still available. Love this prayer book. It's a great resource. You know, uh, I don't know how many people, uh, carry their own prayer books or anything like that, but there's all kinds of really interesting things in here. Those little tidbits on, uh, you know, how to live your life. There's all kinds of great prayers, indulgence prayers, ejaculations. Uh What else is there? There's the Ordinary of the Mass. If you go to the Latin Mass, you can use that. It doesn't have any of the um, the readings or anything in there because, you know, those change every single day. But You could use the Ordinary of the Mass there for the Latin Mass. There's all kinds of prayers here, and they have a fantastic section for our Blessed Mother. But I do invite Beautiful. you to join us in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Most August and Blessed Virgin Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Glorious Queen of heaven and earth, Powerful protectoress of those who love thee, and unfailing advocate of all who invoke thee, Look down, we beseech thee, from thy throne of glory on thy devoted children. Accept the solemn offering we present thee of this month, Especially dedicated to thee, And receive our ardent, humble desire, that by our love and fervor we may worthily honor thee, who next to God art deserving of all honor. Receive us, O Mother of Mercy, among thy blessed, beloved children. Extend to us thy maternal tenderness and solicitude. Obtain for us a place in the heart of Jesus, and a special share in the gifts of his grace." O Dain, we beseech thee to recognize our claims on thy protection, to watch over our spiritual and temporal interests, as well as those of all who are dear to us, to infuse into our souls the Spirit of Christ, and to teach us thyself to become meek, humble, charitable, patient, and submissive to the will of God. May our hearts burn with the love of thy divine Son, and of thee, his blessed Mother, not for a month alone, but for time and eternity. May we thirst and labor for the protection of his glory and for thy greater veneration. Receive us, O Mary, the refuge of sinners. Grant us a mother's blessing and a mother's care now and at the hour of our death. Amen. What a wonderful prayer. You know, and I mentioned I'm, I'm a mother's boy. And there was a time, in fact, I'm ashamed to say this, when i was a young boy uh coming from a a, a somewhat of a well somewhat I, I i'm i'm being generous here somewhat of a broken family it was pretty broken it was a it was a not not a ideal situation and uh both of my parents they uh they were kind of catholic in name only you know they're the kind of catholics that uh, would baptize their children just out of tradition's sake you know it's like a cultural tradition whereas it should be well I'm I'm baptizing my children because I want them to go to heaven it's more of a traditional thing for them so growing up I didn't really get this this grand experience of what catholicism was all about I you know I'd go to mass every every now and then maybe a couple times a year and I didn't understand what the tenets of the faith were because they weren't taught to me and now as a father I have this great responsibility it is sometimes a great cross to figure out how I'm going to raise my beloved children, the children that I've been entrusted with, uh to, to raise them to be Catholic, to understand what we what we believe. And so as a child, I remember thinking, wow, you know, this devotion to Mary is so strange. They they uh they they worship Mary in this way uh that that makes it seem as if she's more than one person. I, I didn't understand that there were different apparitions. So I would say, well, look at Look at my family. They, they love Our Lady of Guadalupe. And then there's all these other Marys. I don't understand. And I, I, (laughs) you know, I'm ashamed again to, to admit that. But, uh, now, now that I'm older and I have this understanding of what it was to be under the maternal care of Our Blessed Mother, I understand how important Mary is to us. And what a wonderful opportunity this month to, uh, to honor Our Blessed Mother. And so I want to give you a few resources here. And Tito, feel free to, to chime in here. But, you know, uh, since this month is dedicated to Our Lady, this uh, month of May, here's one practical way that you can grow in devotion to our blessed Lord Jesus Christ through Mary. And that's, uh, that's through the total consecration to Jesus through Mary. Oh, I completely agree. So, St. Louis de Montfort? Yeah, you could do the de Montfort way, which is the original way. Uh, you could do the father is it Father Calloway who did the he he does the thirty three days of yes, morning glory? That, that's another wonderful that's another way you way. can do. Correct. And this is a way to supercharge your your spiritual life. I, I, I did this at a very particular moment in my life, I want to say maybe five or seven years ago. And it just really it really gave me this understanding of 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 the, the queenship, the mothership of of Mary. And so if you were to start this month, Let's see, the next Marian, uh, feast day w- where you can consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary, that would be June 27th. So that would be on Our Lady of, uh, of Perpetual Help, Our Mother of Perpetual Help. That's on June 27th. Um, if you started today, you wouldn't be able to do the visitation because it takes 33 days. That's right. But, uh, you could, you could start somewhere, I don't know, halfway through the month or so. And, and as long as there's 33 days till June 27th and you can consecrate yourself. To Jesus through Mary. Are, are uh, you,
3: you're, I, I can assume that you're consecrated.
6: I am. Oh,
3: wow. Yes. So is Adrian. Yeah. And I, and I my, my wife and I.
6: Yeah. The other thing you can do is if you've already done this, uh, if, if this isn't your first rodeo, you can reconsecrate yourself. You can. Uh, oh, you we can, do it every year. You can reactivate it if yeah. you want. You can renew that consecration on the 27th. So that's one practical way. There's a few indulgences, and I don't have them off the top of my head, but you can understand the importance of uh, consecrating yourself when i when i give you this example and this is really one of the things because i came into it uh you know with those doubts uh i came into it uh, thinking oh this is kind of strange you know but let me put it to you this way and i'll give you an analogy dear listener i think this might uh, if you're on the fence i think this might give you a a good way of, of looking at this consecration think about you being a peasant, how how much can you offer God? Uh, Most of us can offer very little to God because of our imperfections, because of our proclivities, because of the way that we live our lives. But think about you being a peasant. What can you offer our divine king? Very little. But there is something you can offer. And whatever that is, I'm not sure what that is. But in this example, let's say, for example, a peasant was only able to give an apple to our king. Now think about all of the other people in the courts Uh, They're probably giving him all kinds of different gifts, illustrious gifts. You can only give him an apple. And how are you going to make that apple be an extravagant gift in the midst of all these other things? Well, luckily for us, we have our Blessed Mother. And that peasant can give that that uh, apple, that simple apple, to our Blessed Mother. And she can then take that apple and put it on the most illustrious gold plate and that's sort of what it's like when we offer ourselves to Jesus through Mary. Mary takes all of our efforts, all of our, our imperfections, all of our, our half efforts, and she can really present those to an optimum degree to our blessed Lord. And that's just a very little, that's a little tiny way of describing this consecration. But I do invite you to look into it. Uh, If it's your first time, I would recommend the Father Calloway, 33 Days to Morning Glory book. You can find that uh, online. We're running out of time. I can give you some other uh, practical things here that you can do for the month of Mary. There's uh, these wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, indulgenced uh, acts of consecrations that you can do. Uh, Let's see here. You can also do, uh, you can sing some of the Marian anthems for the month of, uh, for Mary Uh, One of them being Alma Redemptoris, Ave Regina Caelorum, which is one of my favorites, the Regina Caeli, the Salve Regina. Salve
3: Regina, yeah. Take a, yeah, go ahead, Tito. No, that that's a beautiful "Salve Regina." It, it's have you noticed? Uh, maybe uh, I is maybe it's just the Dominican parishes that are, that are I've, I've been attending, but they always sing at after the mass. Mm. They sing the "Salve Regina" in Latin, in beautiful Latin too. The, the, the yeah. Dominicans know their Latin; it's gorgeous.
6: <laughs> I wish I could chant. I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't have that uh, the <laughs> talent there, but. Uh, yeah, these are these are uh, some of the anthems you can pick up. You can sing them just you know every single day. You can take on the Angelus, something as simple as that, dear listener, in the month of Mary. But do take the time to honor our Blessed Mother. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, and prizes are at stake. So do make sure to call us right now. Go ahead and look up that number. Tia, what's the number to the line here?
3: The, the number is eight seven seven. 757 9424. Again, that number, 877 757 9424. You can't win if you don't call in, so call in right now. The lines are all open. We'll be right back.
4: Yes. Uh, First off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially, a big thank you to all your donors and donate to the network and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the catholic truth and get back on track so really thank you for that
1: the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is. And we are known as his children. We are. And the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters. They are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right. Their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us.
3: 877-757-9424. 757 751- 9424 And that's what you need to call in to play the game Fear and Trembling. Right now we have all lines are available for you. The first caller to call in will be our contestant. And remember, you cannot win if you don't participate. So again, that number I mean, is 877 yeah. 877- 7579424 four.
6: Now just in case maybe Tito was a little too fast and you didn't get that number you have the phone in your hand and you're texting while you're driving by the way don't do that pull over uh <laughs> that number is 1877 that's the area code 877 and you can call in right now and play our game show, Fear and Trembling. Now, we're down a man today, so it's going to be a little bit different. Typically, you know, we bounce the questions between each other. Uh, one of us, the tricky one, will give you the tricky answer. Another <laughs> one will give you the straight shooter answer. And then the the caller gets to decide who is right, who is telling the truth, and who's who's being tricky. But since we're down a man today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Tito all of the questions. And Tito's going to respond to me, true or false. So all you have to do dear listener, you don't have to know the answer because Tito's going to give you an answer, true or false. And you get to decide if he's telling the truth. So you don't have to actually know the answer. Call us right now, 1-877-757-9424. And again... Every single opportunity you get here to call, you get three chances to win the prize this week. So your name goes into the drawing three times. You got a really good chance to win that, that book this week, which, uh, I'll get Tito to tell us a little bit about what the book is, what the prize is in just a second. But again, you don't need to know the answer. All you have to do is call one 757 9424 If you don't get through on the, uh, on the line today, make sure to call tomorrow or maybe Wednesday or maybe Thursday, or maybe even Friday. Believe it or not, Friday callers sometimes win the whole prize on Friday. So do make sure to call one You don't have to know how to play the game. I'm going to explain it to you one more time. You actually don't have to know the answers. All you have to do is figure out if Tito is being tricky or not. And uh, Tito, what is our prize this week?
3: Yes, the prize this week for the Fear and Trembling uh, Game Show is this week a book by Catholic Answers written by popular author Dave Armstrong on popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. Nice. This, yes, the, this book is called Word Set in Stone. Mm. It's available now through shop.catholic.com or at a Catholic bookstore
6: near you. Wow, thank you very much, Catholic Answers, for giving us a prize to give away this week. But uh, it seems like we have somebody on the line right now, and uh, it's going to be Annette from Fort Worth. Annette, good morning to you. Good morning, Annette. I,
3: I think there's some technical difficulties. Hmm. Give me one
6: second. All right, I think we're going to... Sort this out, but Annette from Fort Worth is our caller today, and we are giving away a Catholic Answers book, The Word Set in Stone. For all of your friends who uh, happen to be uh, Bible aloners. you can read through this, and it'll give you a couple of apologetic works to uh, maybe bring them to the fullness of truth here, uh, the Catholic Church. Uh, Annette from Fort Worth, can you hear us? Yes. Annette, hey, good me? morning. Good morning. Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. How are things over in Fort Worth this morning? A beautiful day. Driving my granddaughter to school. Oh, praise be to God. Good morning to her as well. Uh, so, uh, tell us, uh, Fort Worth. What is Fort Worth known for? Is it barbecue? Is it uh, I don't know? Uh, tell us, Annette. The stockyards. The stockyards.
7: Uh, the cowboys go and, and uh, mingle.
6: Nice. So are you wearing cowboy boots today?
4: Uh
6: no.
4: Ah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and uh your granddaughter, what is her favorite uh, subject in school?
8: Um English.
6: English. Very nice. Okay, great. Uh very good. All right. Let's get into our game show here. Annette and uh and your granddaughter. Do you know how to play the game? Praise be to God. Yes. All right. Well, we'll get right into it then. Annette, all you have to do is uh, figure out if Tito's being tricky today or not. I'm going to ask him all of the questions, and uh, why don't we begin, Tito? Oh, let's do this. I'm in. All right, Tito. What do we call a school erected by a church? A school erected by a church. Some would say it's a parochial. What say you, Tito, true or false? Oh,
3: let's see. I Parish, church, paro- parochial, par-
6: par- yes, true. It's I true. I think it's true. Okay, yes. Annette, Tito is saying it's true. It's parochial. But uh, he, might be being, he might be being tricky. I'm not sure. Annette, what do you say? Is Tito telling the truth, or is he uh, easy being tricky? Well, he's not being tricky. He's being truthful right now. survey says that is correct tito tito is telling the truth it is a parochial and uh uh, your granddaughter does she go to a parochial school yes that's where i'm taking her now (laughs) praise Uh, be to god yes that is fantastic all right we move on to the second question here tito we we receive a relish for the things of god And our whole life and actions are dedicated to his honor and glory which gift of the Holy Ghost does this some would say wisdom does wisdom relish give us relish for the things of God and our whole life and actions directed to his honor
3: you know I I haven't memorized all these virtues the the Beatitudes but Mm. the one that I do know is wisdom and yes that is
6: true it's true. Yes. Okay, so Tito's telling, telling us it's true. It is wisdom. The wisdom, it, it uh, receives a relish. It, well, rather, we receive a relish for the things of God in our whole life, and actions are directed to his honor and glory. And that gift actually is wisdom. Annette, what say you, true or false? I'm going to go with true. can't live without Lady Wisdom. Mm, yeah, that's correct. Annette, you are so <laughs> wise. You are so wise. Clearly, you have been bestowed with this amazing gift of the Holy Ghost, wisdom. Wisdom is the correct answer, and uh, we should pray to uh, increase in wisdom there. All right, moving on to our third question here, Tito. I'm ready, Freddie. Are you ready? I am, sir. Are you
3: sure? I'm pretty certain. These, Look, these, these questions are like shooting fish in a barrel. Tito,
6: I'm, I'm going to give you another shot here. All right, are you sure you're ready? I'm, this is really this is a tough question. Yeah. Think about it for a second.
3: Yeah. I, I, I know some things, not all things, but uh, le- maybe there'll be a three for three of the v- limited knowledge that I do know. Mm, all right. Okay.
6: So, Tito. Yes. On which days of the year are fasting and abstinence obligatory? <laughs> I happen to know that it's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Just two days. That's it. Seems pretty innocuous. Uh, almost, you know, forgettable, really. I mean, two days out of the holy. How many days in the year? 365. So uh, 363 uh, days of just regular picking out. Uh, two days where Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. You fast and ab- uh, abstain. I, th-
3: You know, uh, that's a good question. I, I'm not certain because I'm confused on the days of fasting when Lenten and, and then mm. Advent come around. And and
6: uh, I mean, do we do we fast Christmas Eve? I, and not. then you carry the one. and
3: I know. And yeah. then there's 52 mm-hmm. days in a week and then a, you, the leap year. It's just so confusing. So I'd say false. You're thinking false. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty certain it's false. It's wow. just it can't. I can't. You can't be right three, day, three questions in a row. I think you're right.
6: Yeah. I think it is false. Yeah, Annette, what say you? On which days of the year are fasting and abstinence obligatory? Uh, it's It says here that it's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And Tito thinks that's false. What say you, Annette?
7: Oh, that's a little tough. Do I go back to the old days or do I go into the modern day now? <laughs> I'm going to just say that it's true.
6: It's true. That is correct. Oh man! Excellent job, Annette. What an outpouring of wisdom, Annette. You are right. Actually, you know, back in the day, there were more days of fasting and uh, and abstinence. And in fact, if you look at our Eastern brothers, they uh, they have a lot more uh, fasting and abstinence than and we do. Much severe. So there's a a, a great uh, sort of uh, uh, simpling of the the faith here. But uh, perhaps we can inspire you today to take on a couple more days. Of fasting and abstinence. Maybe take every Friday to, uh, to take abstinence from meat. Uh, that would be a fantastic way to uh, offer a sacrifice for your sanctification or for the sanctification of the souls in purgatory or what have you, for your friends and family. But uh, Annette, you're in the Cup of Divine Providence three times a week, your first caller.
3: yep, three times And uh, just there's, finished.
6: there's three chances for you to win this wonderful book. The prize this week, again, is a book by Catholic Answers, written by Dave Armstrong on popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. It's called uh, Word Set in Stone. So thank you, Annette, for playing with us this morning. Make sure to stay on the line. We're going to get your information in just a minute, and uh, we'll get your address and all that stuff just in case you do win on Friday. But uh, thank you so much for calling. And if you want to call tomorrow, dear listener, and participate in our game show Fear and Trembling, do make sure to call us. I'm going to give you that number one more time. One. 877-757-9424, 1-877-757-9424. 877-757-9424, 757 9424 Do stick around for the next segment here, which is our After Show. We're going to go off the air, and we're going to go into our uh, streaming services, YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey, your favorite streaming sources, your favorite streaming platforms. You can join us there for the After Show, where we let our hair down And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of uh, what I'm doing here behind the scenes here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, but uh, also to tell you about what it's like being a father of two. So do make sure to join us there and leave a comment. That conversation is led directly by you, dear listeners. So we want to hear you. We want to hear from you. Do make sure to tune in for that. But that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time. And do make sure to call in tomorrow for our our game show, Fear and Trembling, and listen to our show. Adrian is going to be back And thanks be to God for this opportunity to be here with you. See you then.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time,
6: right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't
0: forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time. Again,
1: that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time.
7: Christie chapel for more information visit us at Salt.net. today we celebrate on this may 1st the memorial of saint joseph the worker the intention for today's mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through guadalupe radio
2: look down to us saint joseph protector of our lord Who followed you through deserts And gave you blessed reward Our foes are yet about us Be strength now at our side Be light against the darkness Saint Joseph be our guide In the name of the Father and of the Son
7: and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault
2: Lord have, mercy. Lord have mercy.
7: Let us pray. O God, creator of all things, who laid down for the human race the law of work, graciously grant that by the example of Saint Joseph and under his patronage we may complete the works you set us set us to do and attain the rewards you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
8: Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, over all these things put on love, that is, the bond of perfection. And let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do from the heart. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive from the Lord the payment of the inheritance, be slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Lord, give success to the work of your hands. Before the mountains were begotten, and the earth and the world were brought forth, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Lord, give success to the work of your hands. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday, now that it is past, or as a watch of the night. Lord, give success to the work of your hands. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness, that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days. Let your work be seen by your servants and your glory by their children. Lord, give success to the work of our hands. Alleluia,
2: alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Hallelujah! Blessed be the Lord day by day. God our salvation, who bears our burdens. Hallelujah! 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel
7: according to Matthew. Glory to you. Jesus came to his native place and taught the people in their synagogue. They were astonished and said, Where did this man get such wisdom and mighty deeds? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are not his sisters all with us? Where did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his native place and in his own house. And he did not work many mighty deeds there because of their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We begin this month of May with a memorial of St. Joseph. How fitting that our Blessed Mother whom we celebrate this month of May, would start off by honoring her husband, St. Joseph. The, reason, also, the other reason why this, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker falls on May 1st is because in Europe, this is basically their Labor Day. So they celebrate Labor Day a different time than we do, and so it makes sense that they would honor, we would honor St. Joseph uh, on this Labor Day, particularly as a worker, St. Joseph as the Worker. Jesus says elsewhere in the Gospel, in the Gospel of John, he says, My Father is at work, and I am at work. Jesus learned about work through his, his foster father, St. Joseph. How to work. The first thing is, the first work that God gives us about is, the work course, the work of salvation. It's called a work of salvation because it is work. It takes effort, right, on our part, to respond to that grace of God for our, for our salvation, that God's grace would be more and more would work more perfectly in our life. Of course, Jesus would have seen this very, very beautifully in Saint Joseph and his foster father. Of course, a just man striving to live according to the law of God. And of course, in particularly in related, in relation to work, that he was an honest man. He earned an honest living by working, by being a carpenter. It is said that Jesus was honored to be called the son of a carpenter. Is it in Jesus, that's, that's, there's the work of salvation, and then there's sort of the, the daily work that we have to earn our bread. Uh, it reminds us, like St. Joseph, to, to be able to do our daily duty well. There's something that Jesus learned, to do your daily duty well. Whatever we are given for this day, that we would do it, as St. Paul says, do it with our whole heart. Do it for the Lord. Do it for God. Over all those things, put on love. To do those things that, that God has asked us to do for one day, just today. We don't have to worry so much about tomorrow. Tomorrow will come. But to do that, what God has given us today and to do it very well. That already begins our, our path of holiness. I think also St. Joseph reminds us, and if you've ever worked with wood, I haven't worked with, a lot with it, but uh, it's not something that you can read. Something you create overnight. When I was a kid, I used to make model planes and, and ships. And before, I could, before the glue would be dry, I'd be playing with it. And so, you know, after about a day or two, the darn thing would fall apart. But later on, I, I, I tried to make, you know, things and to paint them and to get all the details. That was very difficult. Very difficult to get all the little details, the windows here, this little, you know, the stripe down the edge of the ship and so on and so forth. But by doing that, then I would display it on my, you know, on my dresser rather than play with it and fall apart after a day. But, uh, but it was it, through that sort of detailed sort of work, steady work, that I learned how, how to do those, those things better. And the reward, of course, is great more. So no other St. Joseph's Church that teaches us that steady wins the race. There, when it comes to our holiness in our, in our life, there's no kind of extreme makeover. <laughs> it is built brick by brick, slowly. Grace builds on nature. It perfects nature. And we learn this from St. Joseph in a very beautiful way, that he, when he worked, he worked diligently and very conscientiously, again, doing his daily duty well. I think this, this, this memorial also reminds us that work, which is from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, God had commanded man to work, to till the earth and subdue it or to master it, So work is a good thing, it is from God. But we experience it because of original sin as hard labor (laughs) by the sweat of our brow. But work really is a means of participating in that work of salvation. It really is an opportunity to hasten the kingdom of God, to develop our talents and our abilities. We are better people because of work. To put those talents and abilities to the service of our society And also, in in communion with one another, it really becomes, as our Holy Father Pope Francis mentioned in the Year Saint Joseph, it becomes an opportunity for the fulfillment not only of ourself. We experience a joy in a work well done, but also, really, it's a fulfillment at that primary cell of society, which is the family. By earning an honest, by making an honest living, earning an honest wage, Saint Joseph teaches us that value of work. We need that in our life. Even though we sometimes live for the weekend, we can't wait to get off of work, (laughs) but we need that time because it builds us, it forms us. God formed man out of the clay, and through the work of our hands that we ask in that responsorial psalm that God would give success to, then the grace and the fruit that God has given to us will will be successful in our life. And we will be about the main thing which is in our life, which is the work of salvation. May St. Joseph intercede for us, and may also teach us how to work well. Amen. Let us stand to bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all the bishops throughout the world. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for peace, especially in those places that suffer from uh, violence and war and terrorism. Let us pray to the Lord. On this memorial of St. Joseph the worker, let us pray for all those who work They may find the, di- the dignity that God has given to us in the work that he has give- entrusted to us Let's pray also for those who, are, who do not have work, who are unemployed, that they may find uh, work soon. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who uh, have difficulties in work, for those who are treated unfairly and unjustly, let us, let us pray to the Lord. We pray for those who are sick and who are suffering, that they may be consoled by God's grace In their spirit and also bring healing in their life. Let us pray to the Lord. Pray for for those who have died that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. And for our own intentions, for those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, for the special intentions we hold in our hearts, let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and grant our petitions according to your holy will through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Through of to the earth the work of human hands, become for us the bread
2: of life. Blessed be God.
7: Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O God, fount of all mercy, look upon our offerings, which we bring before your majesty in commemoration of St. Joseph, and mercifully grant that the gifts we offer may become the means of protection to those who call upon you
2: Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, and on the commemoration of Saint Joseph to give you fitting praise, to glorify you and bless you. For this just man was given by you as spouse to the Virgin Mother of God and set as a wise and faithful servant in charge of your household, to watch like a father over your only begotten Son, who was conceived by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim Worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaum Pleni Uncele et ha Gloria Tua O Sana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. O in excelsis. You are
7: indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. And offer each other a sign of peace.
2: Agnus <laughs> Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, misere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis Admius Dei Quittolis peccatamundi Dona nobis pacem
7: Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the Supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only see the word and my soul shall be. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God through him. Alleluia.
8: For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time, I invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul.
2: Joseph, patron, saint of workers, Blending skill with charity, Silent carpenter, we praise you, Joining work with honesty. You taught Christ with joy to labor, Sharing his nobility. Joseph, close to Christ and Mary, lived with them in poverty, shared with them their home and labor, worked with noble dignity. May we seek God's will as you did, leader of his family. Let us pray.
7: Having fed upon heavenly delights, we humbly ask you, O Lord, that by St. Joseph's example, cherishing in our hearts the signs of your love, we may ever enjoy the fruit of perpetual peace through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to
2: God. Reginae le latere, Alleluia. Qui aquam meruisti porta.
7: The prayer to Saint Michael. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle
3: peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
6: Hi, I'm Travis Wade with Property Clinic Real Estate Transformations, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.